now listening to The Prime Podcast, a show dedicated to exploring and investigating all things health, fitness, and performance related. When something is in its prime, it is at its best. This includes us as humans. Are you ready to take on the world? Then join us on this journey to live life in your prime. And welcome back to another episode of The Prime Podcast. And today's another really special episode as we've pulled Nick Woodman off the weight training floor and brought him into the office and threw a mic in front of him and we'll see what he's got to say for today. And he's actually brought up the first topic of conversation, which is mindset. So one of the things that comes up quite a bit, and I think people, we've actually had heavy debates about a year ago, probably more than a year ago now, about motivation (laughs) and how motivation isn't a real thing. But Nick swears by motivation. And we had very deep philosophical debates for weeks on end with multiple people. This was serious. This is a serious debate. This is a real thing. I, I see it. This is a real thing. <laughs> I see it right now. Out. I'm, I'm ready. Because yes. I think we were, we were like, who was in the, who was in the, it was Ryan, me, you. Yeah, uh, I was Dave in the background Lupia. listening. I remember this. Lupia yeah. was there. Yeah, there was quite a few people there. There's a lot. And the idea is, is my personal opinion and you know, Nick is on the other side of the fence in this, is that like motivation isn't necessarily a real thing. Now, motivation and how I'm looking at or defining it is that I need to have something that drives me to do something every day. So looking at like motivational quotes or music or things like that, like those things, just like we talked about with food, you can't depend on how you feel that day to be able to do the thing you need to do. Right. And Nick comes from a, from a way that he's a, he's a performance athlete. He's leaving in a couple of weeks ago to Spokane, Washington to play uh, arena football and he's getting paid. He's a professional athlete. If he were to leave things up to how he felt every day, there's a good chance that he wouldn't be in the situation right now where he is to be able to go and perform. So the topic of conversation was like, okay, so if your mindset plays a role, which it does, obviously the mindset that you take and when you don't quote unquote feel like exercising or feel like training, what do you do? So I'm going to throw it to Nick and be like, Hey, what is like, what is your practice or what are the things that you go through your mind when you don't feel like it or on the days that you feel good days, you feel bad. And like, how do you continue to quote unquote motivate yourself to continue to train and continue to come into the gym and work hard? A big piece that I use to, uh, motivate myself. Like when I don't feel like doing anything is I think about all the guys that I'm going to have to play against. And I think about the dudes that are on my team and I think about what they're doing. And I don't want to be the one who doesn't hold up his, his end of the bargain in terms of wanting to win a championship. Cause I say, I want to do it. I want to be the best. And I want to win. I want to be great. But if I take a day off when I have no business doing that or just because I wake up and I don't feel like doing it, then I'm not upholding my end of the bargain. And then internally, like that is always been something like even even since college, because that was when things really like flipped the switch in my mind, probably about my freshman, sophomore year of college, when I really started to hold myself accountable as well as well as like other people, because I didn't want to let people down. Like that was one of the big things for me is like. I don't need an inspirational quote every morning to get me going. Like I don't need to watch like a YouTube video to get me fired up. Like I can just think about the people who 
are, you know, metaphorically counting on me and that's going to get me going. Or I can just think about my body and think like, Hey, like I need to do this. I need to work out. Like I need to eat this food. Like I need to do whatever I need to do so that I could be the best like that I could be. And so that if I don't succeed, then I know it's not for a lack of trying because that's what I see a lot. Like with, you know, just talking about dudes that like I played with and play against is like when they run into hardships and like I ask them like yo like well what happened they were like oh you know I could have did this and I could have did that like I don't want to be one of those people who could have who could say that it's like oh like I you know I could have did this better I could have did that like I don't want to have that because like for me that that like annoys me more than than anything internally all right so a couple of things to unpack there I had a conversation with a coworker of mine at school today and we were talking about that exact type of thing people who make excuses and nobody ever who was like, hey, like, let's say if Nick was, he, he, he had all this talk in high school. He's like, I'm going to go to Penn State and play football and do whatever. And then you never hear somebody who doesn't make it to a D1 school. He's like, nah, I just wasn't good enough. They're like, oh, D1 football is too hard. D1 football is too much of a time commitment. D1 D, D football, they own you. And da, 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 da. Nobody like takes the ownership and be like, nah, I just wasn't good enough. Like you never hear anybody say, I just wasn't good enough. Can you remember anyone ever said that? No. No. Like there's not one person that I could think of. And when, when uh, my coworker said it today, I was like, yeah, I can't. Like all the people who like don't go D1, who had like this big grandiose like ideas of who they were as athletes. None of them look in the mirror and be like, no. Nah, Held themselves accountable. Yeah. I just somebody wasn't. Somebody else's fault. Yeah. I yeah. just wasn't. Yeah. Somebody else or somebody else. They blame some. My coach wasn't good. Yeah. My, my parents didn't let me go to, they didn't pay for me to go to camps. You know, I didn't have the, these opportunities, but like, nah, you just weren't good enough. And I think that's part of the, the process that happens or you didn't work hard enough or you didn't do this. Like a lot of it comes down to you doing stuff. And I think it, Nick calls it motivation, but I think it, it, in James Clear, I think we talked about it in terms of motivation comes after action. And I talked about this in terms of consistent action and then you get results and then those results breed motivation because then you're more motivated to do something. So Nick, for example, when he came out of college, what did you weigh? Uh, like 225? Yeah. Well, what do you weigh right now? 270. Okay. So big difference, right? So initially he came out of college and he, for comparison to what he is right now, he was a twig, right? And he had uh, some looks from NFL teams and they were like, yo, you're never going to play D end at 220. So you need to be this weight, right? So there's some motivation, right? A little bit of motivation to get him started. But then when things don't go right, like there's not that thing to keep you going. But the thing that kept him going was that he was in a gym, he was putting on weight and he was getting closer. He was starting to see results and he was getting closer to his goals. Right. And that kept his drive going. Like if he was in a gym for a year and he was still 225 and didn't have any progress, like he probably would have been like, all right, I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. But when you start seeing the progress and start seeing results, that rekindles the cycle to allow you to continue to keep making and taking action. And I think that's where a lot of folks don't do it because they don't. And like we talked about this with nutrition, people don't do things long enough to be able to see themselves make real progress and they get demotivated and they lose that motivation. And when things get a little bit hard, they miss. And then for James Clear, they miss twice and then they miss three times and they miss four times and then they're done. 
Because once you start missing more than once or twice and three times, then you're going on the slippery slope of not doing anything. And we all know, well, maybe not Tori, but we all know that once you stop working out, it gets much more difficult to get back on the wagon. Now, Sam, Sam's another one who's like always in the gym, works really hard. And what are some things that drive you to continue to do it? Even like we talked about a couple of times ago that you don't always feel good. Yeah. And like there's days where I'm more sore and everything, but I can see where Nick's coming from with like when I was playing a college sport too, it was, it was like, I, it was like my duty to my team and my coach. I never wanted to let them down and I would do anything that I could in my power to make that. So, and then like now I do this because I not only enjoy it, but I owe it to myself to have the best life I can, what like nutrition wise, fitness wise. And for me, like I could work out all day and aunt wouldn't allow it. So I don't <laughs> do not, it. Don't do that. I don't recommend that. And, but I could, because like, it's just like, I, I love it. It's something that I love to do. And when I'm sore, just coming helps me with that. And it's not only like fitness wise, but mentally, if I didn't have this, I'd, I'd probably be crazy. I'd be like off the wagon somewhere. Like when COVID happened and I didn't have it here, it was, it was brutal. I think the, the, the big overarching theme is more of more grit than motivation. I think that's what I think that we're, we're looking at. And um, a few authors that come to mind, it was like Angela Duckworth, Duckworth. Um, I think she actually wrote the book on grit, the original book. And there's another woman, I can't think of her name. She actually spoke at Clinton uh, or Hamilton College a few years ago, but they're like the grit specialists. And grit is essentially doing those things that you have to do when you don't want to do them. Um, Seth Godin calls it the process. Pressfield, I can't think of his name in the, in the art of war or the war of art. One of those books, he talks about it as like fighting the, the daily resistance. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of different authors that talk about this all the time. And cr- they talk about it in terms of creating like a uh, work, like creating like works of art, you know, like whether that's creating content or whatever, but the same applies for physicality. It's really easy to get home from work, feel kind of tired and sit on your couch for a second and be like, nah, I'm not going to the gym today. Mm-hmm. And then you start doing that again and then again. And then, you know, then you get into that habit of not going to the gym and not doing the hard thing. And the hard thing is all we, we all know is the thing that you probably need to do the most. And that's, you know, pick up yourself by your bootstraps and, and keep it moving and, and go on to do the work that you're supposed to do or that you know that you're supposed to do, especially if you have goals. And we were talking off air a little bit about how a lot of people who go to the gym don't have goals. And that can be very frustrating as a a strength coach, but also as a person who is coming to the gym. So if you're coming, if you're going to the gym on a regular basis and you don't have a goal, then that is harder to be, motivated, have grit and have those sorts of things because you're never, you're never getting closer to something. So maybe your goal is to be pain-free. Maybe your goal is to play a a college sport, a professional sport, be able to, we talked about it last time, like play with your kids. So you have to have some sort of goal that will help you do the thing that you can remind yourself. Like Nick was like, Oh, I gotta, I gotta remind myself that like, Hey, the person I might be going against next week is training right now, potentially. 
right? Or the, my team is depending on me to do this thing in a couple of days. My, you know, so having something in your head that allows you to look back on and continue to drive and fight through some of those adverse times that aren't the most fun to do the thing. I, I want to know yours. Like what's your, what do you do when you don't want to come to the gym? Actually, I don't think about it at all. It's just show up. He still come. Right. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of things that, that people struggle with that I have no thought process behind. Like eating. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think a lot of it's just about feeling good. And I yeah. think we've talked about this. I talked about this yesterday with a personal training client. They were talking about eating a lot of carbs. And I was just saying how like carbs don't, like those types of carbs, like the refined carbs, just don't make me feel good. Mm-hmm. So I don't eat them. I love how they taste. I love how bagels taste. But if I eat a ton of bagels, I'm going to feel like garbage. Yeah. So I think over time, I think it's just come from, like we talked about before, like the action, I just do it. And that's just what I do. And Mm -hmm. if I don't, like you talked about a little bit, if I don't move on that, I could probably do one day where I don't move. But if I don't move for two or three days in a row, I start to get a little, little squirrely. Mm -hmm. And I think it's clarity for me. It's uh, uh, an escape from, the rest of the things that I do in my day to day, because I wear a lot of hats. I think there's a, a lot of different reasons for it, but mostly it's just to feel good at this point in my life. Mm-hmm. I like being able to go and do things athletically without the fear of getting hurt. Like I, I posted on my, my Instagram yesterday, like I can go and grab rim right now. Mm-hmm. And I was playing knockout with my phys ed class three hours ago and I can go run around and play games and do certain things on with, you know, just go and do them and not have any real fear. Like, Oh, my knee hurts. Oh, I can't do this. Oh, I'm going to get hurt type of type of deal. Like I'd like to be able to be, I guess, competitive in a way, but also just being able to use my body in ways that will allow me to be athletic and young for a long time. And you like getting beaten workouts. Mm, I don't know about that part. <laughs> Maybe Just I'll go kidding. hard one of these days and actually show you what's up. I don't know if you ever seen me in a real competition. Yeah. No, you have. I don't know about yeah, that. I have one. <laughs> I don't know about a real. No, well, yeah. was it? It was an accelerate. No, I don't yeah, know if you no. consider oh, no, it a, no, no, a real no. one or not. Nah. But. Yeah. No, we're talking. We're talking okay. Albany, New York. Yeah, we talk. Well, Maybe real, we should have Al- one. We're talking Albany, real deal, Holyfield, Albany, New York. Yeah. That's a different gear. That's a different, it's a different level. I wasn't here. Really. Everybody's got a different switch. Hopefully when that comes on, either blackout or back out. Woo. That's what it is. <laughs> Hashtag that. Yeah. It might already be one, but that's all right. It's better than go big or go home. Yeah. Tori, what do you got over there? I was just going to ask you guys from a coach's standpoint, you know, you talked about attitude, well, action over motivation, attitude over action all the people that come to you, because I hear about it all the time, they're not convinced that anything's happening and anything's going to happen. What do you tell them? Not that you're obligated to convince them otherwise, but it's also kind of part of the job. What do you tell them? That they're not seeing results, you mean? Yeah. Well, I think results come in many different ways. Mm -hmm. And I think people get caught up in a number on a scale and they get caught up in these, and this is also, you know, we've talked about this before, uh, like a process oriented goal versus like an outcome oriented goal. Right. So like we talked about it with nutrition, my goal shouldn't be to lose five pounds. My goal should be to eat vegetables at every meal and the five pounds will eventually take care of itself. So I think people get caught up in these outcomes 
Or like the heavens aren't going to open up when you get to 10 pounds. So who cares? Yeah. Like, what do you, and I think that's where people get caught up with, oh, I'm not, I can't get my pull up. I can't do this. I can't do that. And then we've talked about it as a staff before. Like, yes, you've been coming. People will be like, oh, I've been coming here for three years and I still can't do double unders. And then my next question is, how many times have you practiced double unders? Yeah. Like if you only do double unders when you're in the class, when we maybe program it once a week and you maybe miss those days, let's say we did it four times a month in a class, in a conditioning setting, and you miss two of those days. So you've practiced it twice a month. You're not going to be able to do it. It's the same thing with pull-ups. Like we've, we've put out pull-up programs. A couple of members have done, like there's this Russian pull-up program that I have on our Facebook group from a long time ago. People who've done it, it's a program for like pull-ups every day for like five weeks. If you do the program, you get really freaking strong at pull-ups. Yeah. But if you, if you do a pull-up, like if you never do pull-ups and you never work at stuff, then you're never going to get better at that thing. Like if you want to get better at that thing, you have to practice that thing or something that's really close to that thing, if that makes sense. So if you want to get a bigger bench press, you have to bench press. If you want to get better at pull-ups, you have to do pull-ups. Like we used to have someone who come to the gym, Griff, Tyler, you guys know, do you know Griff? Mm-hmm. So Griff was a, he came a long, long time ago. And I think we were doing workouts early on and he did really, he's a really great athlete. Jump out of the gym, dunk, do crazy stuff. Six, really, five basketball yeah, player. Yeah, six, five basketball player. And he <laughs> yeah. came into the gym, he couldn't do double unders. And he was like super frustrated. So for two weeks straight, he came a half hour early and worked on double unders. And after that two weeks, he could do like a hundred in a row. Easy. Mm-hmm. Same thing happened to Nick. He and, was in a yeah. competition. He tripped up a bunch in double unders and then he came in the next day. He's like, that's never going to happen again. Never again. And then he practiced double unders every day. Cue, he, the, cue the Rocky montage. <laughs> <laughs> I was in the other room at CrossFit Utica doing them to, a, to music in front of the mirror yeah. religiously. So like if there's something that you want to get better at, it's like we just talked about with the D1 stuff. You can't be like, oh, the gym sucks because I haven't gotten pull-ups. Or I haven't gotten like, no, dude, like you haven't worked on it. And there's a lot of ways to work on it. You can come early. And work on it on your own. And if you don't know what to do, get a trainer to help you do it and pay for personal training and they will spend time with you. Because like we, I was just talking, was I talking to you? Or like some of my high school level athletes, we do pull-ups all the time. They've gone from not being able to do any pull-ups four to six months ago to high school age girls like banging out six to eight strict pull-ups yesterday. Mm-hmm. No problem for multiple sets. And it's not a, not a, it's not a surprise because they work on them every day and they're consistent and they do that thing. So it's not a surprise that you get better at the thing that you're working on. So if you want to get better at something like do that thing and, and stop, you know, there's a, there's a quote from, I forget where it's even from, but they talk about like good leaders or good people who have, you know, good leadership qualities. You know, you look at football coaches or different things or extreme ownership type type deals, like extreme ownership is a book by Jocko Willink. And he talks about taking ownership for all the things that like you do in your life. And the quote goes, when things go right, right, you look out the window and praise everybody else. When things go wrong, you should look in the mirror at yourself. That's a, that was a, it was a idea around leadership, but a lot of times when things go wrong, many people look out the window and point to everybody else. And when things go right, they look in the mirror and pat themselves on the back. Mm-hmm. But if you flip that mindset, I think you'll be much more likely to be able to have more successes in your life, whatever those might be, whether it's professionally, athletically, 
fitness, health-wise, whatever that might be, taking a little bit more ownership in that would definitely play a huge role in you being able to get those double-unders, those pull-ups, losing five pounds, whatever that might be. Also takes time. Yeah. It's not going to happen overnight. It's like the consistency Ann was talking about. Like things might take <clears throat> a couple weeks. They might take a couple years. We were talking about earlier, like with me being 225, like it didn't happen overnight for me to gain weight and figure out what a diet is. Like it took a lot of help from, from Ant and just also being patient with myself and understanding like, Hey, like I don't need to jump from, you know, eating two, three meals a day to now eating 20. Like it's a process just like anything else. Like, just like you're not going to practice a million double unders every single day. Like you're going to build yourself into getting better at them or else you're not going to make any progress. Or the, the flip side, if he gained too much weight too fast, his body wouldn't know what to do with it. Yeah. And the same thing if it you were... It. Yeah, if you were trying to come in and be like, oh, I'm going to do 500 double-unders every day, you're probably going to end up with calf, ankle, lower leg issues really quick, like we've talked about with sport coaches who have athletes come in in the fall who are super deconditioned, and then they're running double sessions, running cross-country a million miles a day who, to a kid who hasn't done anything in six months. They get injured. Cross country has like the highest incidences of shin splints, lower stress fractures and all these lower leg injuries because those kids are doing too much too soon. They're overfilling their bucket of capacity. And that's a great segue to our stress topic. If you want to talk about it. It is. <laughs> it wasn't a bucket uh, carousel. You posted about stress is stress is stress and that physical activity can expand our capacity to deal with it. I just found it very interesting because I was talking about stress earlier that day with somebody and then I saw that. So I thought you could elaborate more. For sure. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to Sam for a second and I'm going to come to Nick and then we'll come back and wrap it all around. So, I mean, what you can talk about it for yourself too, but, but we'll talk, go to Sam first. And what, what are some things that you do outside of exercise that might help you relieve stress? Outside of exercise. You're not exercising. <laughs> what are you doing yes. when you You've don't exercise? You've left the gym. You've left the You're gym. not working. You're not working. <laughs> not working. You have a dog. I have. Sam is thinking really hard. You have, right a, now. You have a Jeep. I you have, have a dog. sleep. So yeah. I'm not doing anything. Just I sleeping. do sleep. I eat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I I wanted. Uh, I hike. You hike. I hike a lot. Um, I try to hike a lot, at least. Barefoot I play hiking. with my dog. But what about what are some I things that busy. stress us when out? I, so okay, so we can do I that too. My, I fill my days with like work. Like I like to keep busy. But what are when some I things have free that time, stress you out though? Is work a part of it? So work is a stressor. Yes. Exercise is a stressor. So I think that's, we're going to talk about, so we, we will, so in, 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 in Tori's way of thinking about it. So like, let's think about things that might stress you out and I'm going to give you some givens and then maybe we can dive into some other things that aren't like givens for everybody. So like a given for everybody, right. Is work. Everybody works. Right. And regardless of if you love your job or not, it is some level of stress. Family is some level of stress, whether that's you live with your family or you don't, there's always some level of stress related to it. Like I don't live with my mother, but she's still Stresses me out in some ways, right? I have children, so that's a stressor. Significant others. If you live in a home, everyone lives somewhere. At least probably listen to a podcast, I would assume. Uh, <laughs> but we have things that stress us out at home, in our house, in our place. Like it could be, you know, the lighting. It could be, you know, the room isn't big enough for, you know, there's like little things that stress us out on a day-to-day. -day. Maybe the house is messy. 
or different things like that. If we exercise, exercise is a stressor. Now there are different types of stresses, but it's just, it's a stress on your body. So then we start adding these things up and the higher they go, you know, the, the more stress and what we put on our total system. What are some other things in your life that might cause you stress that are outside of those? Is there anything any in particular? I mean, you go to Tori, I mean, you brought it up. Anything in particular? I mean, mine would be college. College, school. School, yeah. Trying to. I don't have that one. I mean, you did at one point. Yeah, I did, you're right. Mine would be college and also wanting to like work more, but having to remind myself that I have something else to do. Like trying to build your own business more? Yeah, that but, or but just, getting, yeah. And take so that, on that can be stressful and frustrating at the same time because now like you're, you feel almost resentment towards college because it's yeah, pulling absolutely. you away from something that you might want to do. Yeah, I feel like it takes my time. Right. And I don't want it to. Any, you just think anything? Sam's got no stress. <laughs> Stress-free no, life. I do. Living good. I don't Future. know. I, <laughs> no, everything. Like you said, everything. Stress. Money. Money. Um, I didn't mind talking about money. Yeah. Money, family, bills. relationships, bills, all that. Bills. <laughs> uh, Anything else you have that's specific to you, like that we didn't talk about already, Nick? Nothing like nothing too crazy. Not that we haven't talked about already, like no. little stressors, like having to wait a whole week for a new episode to come out on a TV show I'm watching. That's stressful. Yeah. But that's like shoes not being delivered on time. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, God, I got an order. The package said it was going to be delivered on Wednesday. That's it's super Friday. Yeah. That's very, that's stressful. Cause then I got to think, Oh, like did somebody take my package? Cause people do that. You know. I mean, even right now, like COVID is a thing, but for me personally and people like bust my chops a little bit, Nick just got his first vaccine like I, I haven't gotten vaccinated and some people at work you know my other work they kind of bust my chops about not getting vaccinated and things like that but that can be stressful the idea that people might be looking at you a certain way because you know even like we were in New York City having your mask down like we're outside like I, I don't understand because I feel like everyone uses these rules a little differently I'm going to a little sidebar on COVID but when you'd be in New York City and you're walking through the streets and nobody's around you like if I could be across the street from you I don't understand why I can't have my mask down and not get a dirty look. Yeah. The rules are like it's six feet apart and now it's even three feet apart. Yeah. I'm across mm -hmm. a city block for like a city block away from you. And you have like, I don't, yeah. that's, that's not, that's unnecessary. Yeah. It's interesting how it works because people will have that. Cause I've gotten those same looks before too, or people would ask me like, Oh, like before I got this yesterday, the, the vaccine, they're like, Oh, like you haven't got vaccinated. Like how could, how could you do that? Like, why would you not get vaccinated? I'm like, I don't run to the doctor when it's flu season to get a flu shot. Why am I going to run to the doctor when there's a vaccine that one isn't even proven yet? And two, I'm getting told I'm going to have to get another one in four months. And you're only hearing and the only, bad side effects all yeah, the time. Yeah, and that's it. Nobody, you know, wants to really talk about the positive. Like the other day, mm -hmm. they just released that the Johnson & Johnson, you know, six out of seven million cases, but six women, unfortunately, had a blood clot disease developed from it. And a couple of them died, you know, like that's. Yeah. <clears throat> it's a, it's a, but that's, a, and that's another thing because then you're on, you have stress. That's, that's what we're just talking about, like the stress part of it. Yes. So you have stress on both sides, like Absolutely. stress, should I get it? And then stress, if I get it, am I going to have a negative side effect? Yeah. So then the, all these different stresses play a role into our overall life in the, in the way that I don't even remember what the carousel looked like specifically, but there was an old documentary that I watched. I think it was on national geographic or the discovery channel and the, it was titled stress and the, it was a Harvard um, neuroscientist. I believe his, his name is he had like a really Polish name, uh, something Sapolsky, 
some some crazy name. But essentially, he went to Africa every summer when he was on vacation, and he studied this group of baboons. And he would look at them and see, based off of their pecking order, like the big behemoth, like top of the, top dog baboon, who got all the girls and who was like the biggest, strongest one, had no stress. And he had no instances of disease. He had nothing. He was like completely stress-free. No one messed with him. Like it was on a, like being on a block. No one messed with him. He got all the girls. He was chilling. Got all the food. And in the little room, the, the bottom guy in the totem pole, he got picked on all the time. Like they were showing like other baboons, like putting his head in the water. Like they were reckless. He got no girls. He always was like really skittish, like because everyone was always out, out to like mess with him. He had like all these diseases, like heart disease. And they would test him. He would dart him. And he would take them out and then he'd go study their blood and like raise their cortisol levels and do all this kind of stuff. And then he would put them back in the wild. And then he tested how stress and like how being in high stress environments, like we're all pretty fortunate. We don't live in environments that are super stressful. Like we live in a upstate New York. It's a pretty safe place to live. Like we're not living a dangerous location. All of us live in, in pretty nice places. So we don't have to deal with those side effects where you might be walking down the street and you hear gunshots on a regular basis. My first apartment in Brooklyn, people used to get robbed all the time. People have gotten hit in crossfire walking to the subway station. That's always on call. Like you're always high level stress all the time. So then when you add all these other layers to that stress and you fill that bucket, how do you handle that? Right? How do you handle that stress? And one of the things that was talked about in there is that exercise, while we talked about it is a stressor, it can teach us how to handle stress better because you're in complete control of the stress that you're putting on your body, if that makes sense. We were talking about before this, like people would be like, oh, you know, maybe I don't want to go super hard today or I don't feel that great. So I'm going to take a little easy on the strength part. I'm going to take a little easy on here. But like when you're, if you had like a really rough week stress-wise, maybe you had some relationship things going on, maybe you know, money didn't come in like it was supposed to and you're really stressed out, but you want to get your exercise in. If you go too hard and you go, you're overfilling your stress bucket, then that's like, that's a case when things might not go great and you might get hurt or you might be able to do those sorts of things. So when we're talking about people coming in the gym and managing their stress, we have to take the whole person into consideration that there might be some other things that are underlying that would influence you know, how they feel and how they, how hard they work in, in that regard. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I was going to say, I think the internet's a big stressor for all of us. For sure. So social, consciously, media. Social, even, social media. Like even down to like content creation, you see something that's like new and hype and you're like, I got to start doing that. Mm. Like it just trickles down to everything. I don't know as much as exercising if it affects you guys that way, but. Yeah. Coming up with captions. <laughs> tough. You write it's like three word captions. <laughs> I know. And she struggles every time. <laughs> I struggle. I just do emojis. Uh, should I put four C's on thick this time or five C's? <laughs> <laughs> That's the best. If you go one. up in a pant size, that will uh, justify you putting an extra C. Oh, there you go. That's how that works. That's how I do yeah. it. Yeah. There, there you go. But yeah, I think that I think that's where um, exercise does play a huge role. And even like the there's another a book called Spark by John Rady, and he talked about how people who have anxiety, because if you think about all the side effects or the things that happen in your body that people have when they're having a panic attack, 
They're all the same things that happen when you exercise. Same exact things. Increased heart rate, difficult breathing, sweating, blah, 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 blah. You can go down a whole list of having panic attack. So he's a like a psychologist, and he would elicit low-level exercise protocols for people with anxiety, and they would get better. Because again, you learn that, like when you're having a panic attack, people think they're going to die, right? When you do certain workouts in the gym, you feel like you're going to die. But like I said before, you are in complete control. So if I can go hard for like a minute and I can get all that, that response and then I can come down from it, I'm like, oh, I'm still alive. I'm going to live through this. All right, let me do a little bit more next time. Mm-hmm. Let me do a little bit more. So that's how these, these controlled stressors like exercise can actually help us deal and build our capacity to be able to handle more stress in our day-to-day life. I'm so I'm gonna start exercising now. Get out of town. That's, 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 that's probably not so, gonna happen. Well, well you heard it I have to take medicine. I can just here. exercise. You I know all here. the panic attack things. Yeah. And I had one on Sunday. I'm sure exercising would help. But the, aren't they the same? Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I don't get to the point where I think I'm gonna die, but I understand. Yes. Yeah. 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 But that's what constant working out does. And like, in terms of, but not saying getting a panic attack, but like continuing the exercise, but also understanding the, uh, intended stimulus in a workout. Like I know for me personally, like that was really hard for me to understand in the beginning because like when I first started, it feels like forever ago, I would like literally feel like I was dying. Like mm-hmm. every time I worked out <clears throat> and it was like, you, you shouldn't, you shouldn't feel like you're uh, you're dying. You should, <laughs> you should be able to breathe throughout the whole time. You should be able to have a conversation. I'm like, I'm doing these box jumps and that's and why I'm this, always talking trash and this freaking him. bike. Like I can't, I can't breathe and have a conversation while I'm doing this. But once I like actually started to do it and breathe while I was working out, you know, in the nose and out the mouth and like slowed it down, I was, I learned to, build my capacity that way. And I was able to do more heavier and for a longer amount of time. And then when I did go all out, like I saw the difference and I felt the difference, you know what I mean? Like I still die every once in a while and it feels great, but doing it all the time isn't, isn't the most awesome feeling I mean, ever. I feel like there's like a certain level of pain and discomfort that comes with exercising, whether it's rewarding or not. And I feel like Definitely. people who have panic attacks and suffer from them the most don't know how to deal with that yeah, pain like and your discomfort. Zone. Yes. 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 Well, there has to be some. And I think that's where if there is no pain or discomfort throughout the process, then most likely you're not going to make any improvements. You have to find that threshold. And I think that's where Nick is talking about. And I think a lot of people go far beyond that threshold initially. And that's when they feel really uncomfortable, really uncomfortable. Because if you, let's say if you were to have like an imaginary bar graph and a, and a, or a line graph and you had like your threshold, a lot of people will spike over that and then drop straight down. But if you can find, figure out where that is, like your upper limit, your ceiling, and then hover just underneath it, that's where you want to live when you're doing your exercise. You don't want to, yes, it should be marginally difficult, but you don't want it to be so excruciatingly difficult that you can't move tomorrow and can't do certain things. And you feel so, so crappy while you're doing that that you don't want to do it again tomorrow. Yeah. Or, the other parts. or you get rabdo and go to the hospital. That wouldn't be good either. No. <laughs> so rhabdo for you guys who don't know is rhabdomyolysis. It's a, it's a, a situation where your liver actually starts to break down your muscle tissue and it treats it as like a poison in your body. And it happens when you overwork muscle breakdown into your bloodstream 
And it happens when some people who, most of the time it happens when people either do too much too soon or that's usually when it happens. People do too much too soon. It happens. It's really more common in deconditioned athletes, like a former college athlete who hasn't gone to the gym in five to 10 years and they go in and they go super hard. And that's usually the folks who get it, who are most likely to get it because they, their brain is telling them they can do something, but their body's like, yeah, we haven't done this in 10 years. Chill. So that's a little sidebar and rhabdomyolysis. Sidebar. If your pee, if your pee looks like Coca-Cola, then go to the hospital. Oh my God. It's not good. <laughs> yeah. That's your, mu- you're peeing out your muscles. Yeah. Literally. Yeah, yeah, essentially, yeah. That's your no, lit- what I'm saying literally looks that dark. Yes, that's yeah. one of the main side effects. You could talk to Chelsea. Well, so give you I, a full okay. profile I on how it goes. I thought that she was, because we did a separate filming day one time, and she was like, I'm feeling rather... Rabdoey? Rabdoey. And yeah. we all just started laughing, but I didn't know the full extent. She got, she got it at a competition. <laughs> she got it at a competition doing high volume ring rows. Albany. Different yeah. level. I didn't hear the full conversation, so that's why I didn't want to chime in because yeah. I didn't know if that was accurate. <laughs> All right. Do we have anything? What's next? The other thing I had, also something you and I talked about from the podcast you're listening, problem with weight loss, correct? Yeah. Um, Did you listen to it? I'm on the first part. Yeah. But you brought up, he said the words healthy at any size. So I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on that and also maybe how you apply that to society standard of healthy and try to give that to people that come in the gym because mm. they might not understand it so well. Mm. So I think the, uh, a couple of things come to mind, right? And I think in the, in the third episode of this series, they had this, this organization they were talking about called Hayes, which is health at any size. So health at any size is a movement that promotes essentially health at any size and that people can look differently and still be really, really healthy. All, if you took a picture of all four of us in the room right now, we all look very different, right? Our makeups are different. Our body sizes are different. We're different heights. We're different statures. We're different thicknesses, things like that. And if you took a, took a, a slice of the gym, it would be even more diverse. Obviously we're all, you know, with the exception of Tori, Um, We've all been college athletes. We've all lifted for a long time. So we have a certain level of musculature that might be different than a general population of folk who's just in here to exercise and do some, some different things. But in that regard, health at any size talks about how they, they don't really know, right? While they're they're, it's kind of like 50, 50, because the more research they're doing now is showing that you can be healthy at a heavier weight. A uh, higher percent body fat and your internal structures can be at a healthy range and you can obviously be unhealthy at a skinny weight. Right. And we all know that there's like the idea of like skinny fat, right? Like on the outside you look skinny, but on the inside you're, you know, they call it skinny fat because of the, the fat is connotations with negativity. So on the inside you might have some issues that might be high blood pressure, you know, diabetes, certain things like that, that are other health issues, but on the outside you may look healthy. So they talk about this idea of how, as a society, we have glorified like lean, muscular, or whatever. I think it's it's changed over time, and I think it's changed in some ways. I don't know if it's for the better or for the worse, because it used to be in the 90s when I was interested in like exercise, it was really like all bodybuilder, like Arnold Schwarzenegger type stuff. So all the guys needed to be huge. 
and all the girls were like hyper thin runway models. And now, you know, 20 years later, it's changed a little bit. I think both have gone in a better direction. Guys are more athletic looking. And then women have gone away from like being super skinny. into a little bit more musculature to a little bit more athletic looking as well. So I think over the time in, in years, like every decade or so, things change and evolve a little bit. And I think it's hard to always narrow down the best thing because I think we get caught up in what social media tells us and what looks sexy and what looks good. And then I think really, like we had talked about it before, is, is the most important thing is one, to feel good about yourself and two, not compare yourself to other people, which is very difficult, right? Now, I know there was someone in the gym the other day was like, if I were to re get reincarnated, I'd want to be either Sam Getman or Ryan Morris. Like if I was a guy, I'd want to be Ryan Morris. Mm -hmm. If I was a girl, I wanted to be Sam Getman. And I was like, uh, okay. Um, I but these the are Sam one a lot. Huh? I said, I hear the Sam one a yeah, lot. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's <laughs> mainly because, I, well, I think also we had this conversation. It was like our, our population is like 80, 20 female. Yeah. Yes. So uh, not a lot of girls are like, hey, I want to come back looking like Nick Woodman. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. That's very true. I don't know, yeah. he's pretty thick. I've, I've, never, I've never heard a girl say that either. I'm yeah. yeah. So I think it's just, you know, we have these different, you know, demographics here, but that's fine. And I think we we always, even like I was doing personal training the other day and, the, and they were looking at Sam. She's like, man, that girl is solid. She said, and I was just like, yeah, she works out a lot. I don't know how to respond to that, but yeah, she works out a lot. Yeah. But that's Sam. She's one of our coaches. But yeah, I think a lot of people, we have, we have these tendencies to always look at people and want what we don't have for whatever reason. We also don't look at some of the things that it took for people to get to where they are. And I think that's, that can be part of the, the negative process as well. The, the health at any size movement. And I wish, you know, Jeff was here. I haven't seen Jeff in a while, but we've had this conversation a lot. And most of the marketing, like if you were to think about some of the marketing you see on social media, what is it mostly about? Like any marketing you might, might see it for a gym or for a fitness or a nutrition. Oh, place. just like fit six packs, healthy lifestyle. But the phrasing, do you like, do you, you, do you read any of the captions of the phrasing for any of that kind of stuff? Not that I know off the top of my head. No. Do you? I don't know. I don't not that, not that you can think of? No. I don't. Do you? I know because we shared some topics on things. I mean, just like he said, how you look, really. Yeah. Yeah. But a lot of them are also like fat shaming in some ways, like body shaming. Losing weight going to make you feel better? No. You know, so there's a lot of these gyms in our area and around the country now that they their whole thing is like, we're the number one weight loss gym. We're the number one fat loss gym. We're a challenge gym. We get people to lose the most body fat. We get people to lose the most weight in six weeks. Okay, great. But are those people like happy? Mm. You know what I mean? So like their, their marketing is going to people's insecurities. Yeah. And it's like shaming them and making them feel bad to get yeah. them to sign up. For like, it. oh, I feel bad because I'm, I'm 15 pounds overweight. I want, I want my bikini body. And I think this came up in that podcast as well. Like bikini ready. Like, isn't your body always bikini ready? I was going to say to Sam, like, being a woman, I feel like there's a lot more pressure for people. Uh, yes and no. I think that's, yeah. I think that's a generalist. I think guys care a lot more than people give us credit for. Yeah. I'm not, yeah. I'm not saying you don't, but 
societal. You just did. did. No, societal. If you look at it that way, not to play (laughs) that card, but society wise, there's a lot more pressure on women than they'll ever be men. I agree. I agree. And I think there's this idea that women have to be pretty. You have to be dolled up. You have to have your nails done. You have to, you know, all these things are all about aesthetic look. Mm-hmm. And guys are more about like your ability to be a man, I guess. They're different though. Have you read uh, Daring Greatly? Oh, you should read that one. Because they talk about how shame looks different for men and women. And they're based on women is all about that. Mm-hmm. Like beauty, uh, women stuff. Like beauty and mothering. I can't think of the word. Nurturing. Nurturing. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know the word. And guys, it's all about like being a man. Mm-hmm. Like you can't show emotion. You you have to be handy. You have to be this. You have to be that. And if you're not, yeah. like you're less of a man in some way. A provider. Yeah. So they have like these different shameful things and how they look at and how, and also how we deal with shame is different. So it's a very interesting book. If you haven't read Daring Greatly by, oh crap, what's her name? It's Daring Greatly. That's the topic. I should know her name, but. We read it as a, as a book club book in the gym. It's very good. But that's the thing in society that has to, that's got to change for both sides because now it's becoming more like socially acceptable to love the skin you're in and stuff like that. And I see a lot more advertisements for that. Just like with Victoria's Secret, um, a couple of years ago, they did the um, plus size walk that they did on the runway and stuff like that. And what was crazy was they did a statistic from the year before that. I don't remember what year it was, but the year before that views versus that year. And it was down by like 20, 30% because of that. And it was like, this is what's wrong with society and this, that, and the third. And then now it's like booming, like, Hey, like love the skin you're in this, that, and the third. And it's like, if you're happy, then be happy. That's awesome. Right. But then when it comes to the guy's side, it's like, Hey, like I'm, I'm going through some stuff. I don't feel, you know, good about myself. Like, who do I go and talk to? And it's like, you can't as a guy, like society wise tells you that if you're not manly and you're not tough and you're not this, you're not that, like you can't do all these quote unquote manly things, then what are you? Like you're useless in the eyes of that. And what's crazy is, is like, I see it from both ends, like girls, cause I actually was talking about this, um, on an, on an IG live before. And there was multiple girls who were like, yeah, if the man can't pay for this and that, and this and third and can't provide this service and that, then like, I don't need them. And it's like, okay, well then what do you bring into the table? And they're like, all of this. And it's like, where's the, where was the disengagement where things were like fair in a sense, if that makes sense. But also having it be acceptable to talk about it from like the guy side. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't think that things are unfortunately ever going to be equal. I think we, we, we do our best to, to make it that way. And I think that if we're talking about like the size thing and I'm, I'm interested to go back to Sam's perspective on it because you do get a lot in the gym, much more than I do. Like, yeah, people talk about like our butts a little bit, but that's about it. But they're not, you know, you know, some guys like when they have come, you know, they've joked like the UPS guy just came in. I was just got done doing like a bunch of pull-ups and he's like, yo, every time I see you get bigger, he's like, how do you get, how do you get so much so big? I was like, I, just, I honestly just did a lot of pull-ups. So my arms are looking swole right now. And he's like, that's all I got to do to look like you is go do some pull-ups in the truck. I say, yeah, man, every hour just bang out a couple of pull-ups. But people do say stuff like that here and there. And I've had a couple of members who were guys who came in and was like, how long is it going to take me to look like you mm-hmm. type of thing? Yeah. Like, I don't know, like 15 years. But like you get a lot more of it because like I said, our clientele is mostly female. Mm-hmm. So from your perspective, and I had a, a female personal training client come up to me and she was like, am I really that, am I really pretty? And I was like, what do you mean? 
she's like, she's like, since I've been back in this area, like I've gotten so many compliments of how pretty I am. And like, I'm almost like uncomfortable at how many compliments I've gotten or like how many people say something about their, her body or how, how pretty she is or how this, that, and the other thing. Like, do you feel that like that's almost too much sometimes? I don't think so. I, I don't know like how I to answer this. Yeah. No, I don't. <laughs> Give no, me more. Give I, me more. I, I know that like, well, I never, I didn't look like uh, the way I look now my whole life. And For a sure. lot of people think that I'm bigger than I should be. Like one of my clients calls me uh, beastie mm-hmm. because of, she told someone else that and they were like, don't you get offended? And I'm like, no, like I don't, I don't care what. But on the flip on the flip side of that, yes, like, uh, we have a client whose sister called her something similar, and she mm-hmm. took offense to it. Yeah. So I think there is a, a big like dichotomy there I with how people. Individual. I think if when I was younger, uh, if I going through everything that I've been through, and knowing what I want, and and lifting the way that I do now, and and enjoying it it's different now than I would have taken it when I was younger mm. and when I would have let society or, or my friends or my relationships kind of influence me more. Whereas now I look the way because I want to look this and way. It's a prideful thing. Yeah. And, and uh, you put work in to make it look. Yeah. And like, w- I think Ryan said something to me the other day. He's like, Sam, I saw a picture of you at the old gym. Like you look a lot like leaner and I'm like, yeah, I changed a lot in my life yeah. to get to this. It's like five years ago. And, and at the same time, like time. if we talk about weight, like five years is a long time. Oh, for sure. 100%. You know, and I've been, um, and right now too, like I, I weigh 165, 160, 165. Like I'm a big girl and, and I, I, I'm, I don't care. Like I don't, I don't care about that. Like I, I'm happy with how I look right five now. Five Yeah. She, she yelled at me cause I, I had a crop top and she's like, eh. I need a bigger size. I'm a big girl. Yeah. I'm like, oh, sorry. I'm, I don't know. I just ordered some, I just ordered some crop tops. But I got yelled at because Sam's a big girl and she, she needs, you know, she needs clothes that fit and, yeah. and that she wants to look good in. And I think that's, you know, but so, so that part of it doesn't bother you, right. In terms of the compliment, the complimentary nature of it. I think if it's an excess from one person, that's when it gets uncomfortable for women more so like if you have one person consistently complimenting you then it gets a little uncomfortable but, that, but if that, it's in general i think it's is that just creepy w- or is it well, just well would that be because you're not attracted to that person like if if you if like first person that came to my michael b jordan was like yo you look great right now and was just complimenting you every single day would you be okay with that <laughs> yeah yes so then would jimmy from around the block not good looking in your eyes, not really that fit, newer to the gym, complimented you every single day and was like following you on social media, regular stuff that people do. Would you then be okay with it still? Yeah. I would still reply that the way I do with anyone else, I would say, thank you. I would show appreciation and like, yeah, I got you. You know what I mean? She's I, I actually was at the, I was at the gas station the other day. I had this guy came up to me and I was like, buying a protein bar and I, I I knew he was going to say something and he's like oh what's the triangle on the back of your shirt and it was I was wearing one of our sweatshirts and and then we just got talking to the gym and it was someone that probably I don't I don't even know like a, a random guy but I still would have like a conversation and he told me that I looked super fit and all this stuff and like that was it mm-hmm. but it honestly like it doesn't happen often like 
if anything, it's more like girls will talk to me at the gym. Yeah. Or give me compliments that way or or they'll ask me what I do or what I do for work if I'm I'm out or someone approaches me in that aspect. But it's not like I never feel I don't know. It's probably like a do, lot do, more do, admiration. Do either, do either of you wear bikinis? Yes. yes. And you feel comfortable? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I used to not, though. Same. Why? When I was younger, because I didn't think that I looked good in it. Societal standards. Same. Yeah. Because you didn't feel like you looked good in it. I didn't feel what, comfortable what in changed? my, it my was mindset. Comparison, like you compare to what you see plastered online. That's like, oh, my hip looks this way. This girl's hip looks that way. My thigh looks this way. This girl's thigh looks that way. It's all comparing, just like with everything else. I never else. used to take my shirt off, ever. I still don't in front of you guys. Yeah, I know. I bust your chops about the other. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because I, I don't know. It's just like. Now, is that because know. you'd be the only girl in the gym doing it? But she's not, though. Mm, no, I no, mean, because like, we work out alone anyway half the time. But no, but, yeah. Yeah, but people do it in the classes. I've seen a couple of people do it recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I probably will once summer comes and I start to sweat more in the workouts. Definitely. But, like, right now, I could work out in a sweatshirt. I don't know. But, like, when I was probably all through high school and college, I don't think I ever took my shirt off, like, out at a beach or anything like that. I feel super uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have pictures when I was younger with my family going to on vacation. I'd I would have a white cotton shirt on. Yeah, oh, and we yeah. were at the beach. Everyone's else, everyone else is in exactly. like a bikini. Yeah. I would run in and short it's just, sleeve shirts. I was uncomfortable, I guess. Yeah. No, um, I mean that's fine. I just we're trying to unpack like this this idea, and that's why the body at any size thing is is an important movement because it doesn't matter what's on the the, the idea is that it doesn't matter what's on the outside. It matters more what's on the inside. So not necessarily like looking a certain way aesthetically. And sometimes the way that people look on the outside, they got their really unhealthy ways. And one of the topics that came up in this podcast was the idea that we tell folks to step on the scale. We tell folks to track and count everything. We tell folks to restrict themselves with carbs. We tell themselves, and then they were talking about like, these are the same side effects of anorexia. All right. Let that sink in for a second. So like when people have diagnosed with anorexia, that's what they do. Mm-hmm. They step on the scale every, every minute they restrict what they eat. They count in every, they count and dial in every piece of everything that they ever eat. And then we tell folks to do that and tell them that they should be, to be healthier. But is that really a healthier option versus just doing the things that make you feel good? Now, feel good internally, not like feel good, like my taste buds feel good for a second and then I feel like shit after. Yeah. So then how do you, um, how do you separate that then? Cause that, that's an interesting way of thinking about it. Cause I don't, I personally don't think about it and I don't know if I've ever thought about it like that until you said it that I way. I didn't think about it until I heard the podcast, which was like this, these last two weeks I've been listening to this podcast and they they have all these experts on who are talking about these topics. And I never thought about it like that because as you know, we're at fault in our profession because we've done nutrition challenges. I've coached people through nutrition and we talk about all these things and we've even had coaches who in the past who couldn't even go out to eat at a restaurant because they were so, I can't eat any of this stuff. I need, to, how many grams of chicken are you putting on this out? Type of thing. Yeah. But Over, 
like going over the top with it. And we do have people who do that in yeah. the gym right now. Yeah. And I think that's, that's not healthy either. I can, I can like understand Catherine Davis' that. daughter, for example. Yeah. Like, have you ever heard stories about her at the, the, the games? Mm -hmm. She brought a scale. <clears throat> she brings a scale to a restaurant. Yeah. That's not healthy. But for her and, and what she wants to do and stuff like that, regardless of the result, that's in her mind and through her coach and all that stuff, that's her putting her best foot forward to be as successful as she can be for why she's doing that. I, I'll give you the fact that she's a professional athlete and things have to be different for them. Yeah. But a regular person doing that just for their basic health. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I can see that. That's what I'm saying. Like yeah. I can understand that. But then at the same time, like that's, and maybe, maybe I have a, a weird way of thinking about it or I, maybe it's wrong. I don't know. But if I have a desire to be or do or be able to perform in some kind of way, then I can't. And I have to make sacrifices to be able to achieve that. And if it is not going out to eat and making food at home, then that, that just is what it is. But, you know but what I'm I mean? separating performance from life. Take those two out. Like, that's why I said for Katrin, okay, you're a professional athlete. You're the top 1% of those professional yeah. athletes that might be okay. Yeah. Right. That might be okay. But for the, everyone else whose life is just like their life, like restricting yourself so much and doing that, like I said, like, again, we're separating performance yeah. from everyday life. Yeah. And I think that's where we, and we talked about this a little bit before, like this over delivering or asking too much fitness of people I think, why are we taking a, a general fitness enthusiast and treating them like professional athletes? You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. No, no. Yeah. That's, I can, I can now, understand now what you I'm mean. looking yeah. at, you know, I'm giving <clears throat> this soccer mom, this average Joe or Jane, like these nutritional protocols that professional athletes are doing. And then we're giving them these workouts that these professional athletes are doing. And is it the right thing for them to live a healthy, sustainable lifestyle? Well, we don't know until they try it. Well, I think, I think, I think you it's have to just too find much. Balance. They, yeah, because if they don't, like, yeah, and that's the thing is, is finding the balance. If they don't like it the first time and you try it, you don't know if you don't like something unless you try it. So if the first nutrition challenge they do and they try it and they're like, Hey, like this, this weighing out my food and all this stuff, I'm not into this, but I do like the idea of, of staying on the outside of the grocery store and like having healthier options that way, then yeah, that's awesome. But I don't think that not giving somebody that information or wanting the best for them in a, in a situation um, is necessarily bad for somebody because then it's on them to tailor it for themselves. Yes. And I think that if you're looking at it, but what, what is the goal? And that's the thing too, is what's the why? Just like you said, separating life and performance. If my goal is to, and happiness is, is subjective to everybody. For sure. <clears throat> um, if you want to be able to just feel good and move around and eat what you want to eat the seventh third, then that's all right. That's great. That's awesome. That's what you want. Right. But then you, you lose that ability to say, well, why is this like this? Why, why am I not seeing the results that I want? If it, if we're separating that, because then you have to take an account. I, th I don't think you can fully separate life and performance at the same time. If this is something that you want. I think you can, because your, your, your goal isn't, isn't to make your body like if I'm a professional athlete, my goal is to optimize how my body performs in my given task. Mm -hmm. So if I'm going to play football, I'm going to play soccer, I'm going to be in the CrossFit games. 
my goal is to make my body perform the best in that situation. Right. Mm -hmm. For most people to perform my best at life doesn't require me to optimize how my body works. Does that make sense? So Mm -hmm. I don't need to treat my body as if I need to go and like run the fastest I've ever run before, jump the highest I've ever jumped before, be able to hit people kick the ball, throw a ball, swing a bat, swing a golf club. I don't need to do all that stuff at this. I don't need to reach my physical potential for those things because they don't matter to my life. Mm -hmm. So then treating my life in a way that it does, I think does some more harm than good for folks because then I think it discourages them from ever like living a fulfilled life. Yeah. I, I actually spoke to a lot of people like this past week Um, It was someone's birthday. Someone went to camp um, and just like events that happen in life. And I think it's really important that we're able to balance that healthy lifestyle. But on the weekend, if you're meeting up with friends or if it's your birthday and your coworkers buy you a cake to like enjoy in those things, because you're not going to remember how strict you were eating seven days a week, Definitely. you're going to remember, okay, this, my 30th birthday, like I had my coworkers throw me this awesome party and it was great. And, and I enjoyed every second of it and to enjoy those things in life and still have that with your family and friends is really important. I agree. Yeah, too. absolutely. And I think that's why the health at any size is, is, is tricky because I think a lot of it is internal and not internal. Like your heart and lungs and stuff like that. I think internal like mindset, Mm -hmm. like being able to feel comfortable being quote unquote, 10 pounds heavier than you want to be on the scale and being okay with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think people get caught up in numbers. Like we talked about before, like those outcomes, the number we all, we also all have a number that is comfortable for their body. Like for me, I can live at 180, but it's very hard when I just kind of chill and I'm not like super restrictive with my diet and I'm like, whatever I'm at like 188 to 192. And that's where my body wants to live. Nick, if he wasn't trying to be a professional athlete, he doesn't, his body doesn't want to live at 270. No, he would probably be somewhere around like 240. And so I think a lot of us, our bodies have a natural where it wants to be and it's going to get you there regard, unless you try really hard to do something else. And my, my point is like, how hard do you really want to try for that extra 10 pounds? Or how hard are you trying to get that extra 30 pounds? Or how hard are you trying to be a certain thing? And when you get there, is it really making you happier? Mm-hmm. So to work your ass off, to be 10 pounds less, to be restrictive, to not eat any carbs, to not do these family functions, to not do all these things, is that really worth that extra five or 10 pounds? Don't know unless you try. That's how that's that's how I feel about it. Like no, that's, I, that's, I'm not, that's I'm totally not a, my opinion. Like fully, and I'm not against that. Yeah, but I think what most people are going to find is that it's not. Yeah, I think you're going to going to find like, yo, I just wasted three years of my life trying to do this, and it didn't make me any more fulfilled. And if anything, I feel like an ass now because I missed three birthday cakes and I missed all these. I missed vacation. I didn't go out to, to ice cream on vacation with my kids because. I was like, yeah. yo, I can't eat ice cream. I can't do this. I can't do it. So then you start missing things like that. And I think you have more regret towards those things. More stress. More stress added to your life. And then it, that more stress can potentially 
make you even more unhealthy on the inside. So are you taking yourself away from these events physically and mentally I instead did of just before being in the past. So like if, if I can't have ice cream, why would I not go with my family if they're all going to go get ice Some cream? Some people don't have Weak the willpower. Enough. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Some people will complete it. I mean, it just depends on, I can personally, yes. because I've, I do it. Definitely. I can go out to ice cream with my family and be like, yeah, I don't feel like ice cream tonight. Like I might have a little spoon of one of my kids, but like there are some people like that. If you put a cake in front of them, they eat the whole damn thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like they can't be like, oh, I'm just going to have a taste or, oh, I'm not going to have cake tonight because I don't feel good. It does not, it doesn't fit with me. Yeah. Some people will be like, oh, that's a cake. That. Like, yeah. I'm about to eat the whole thing and then regret it tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. And then feel like shit and treat themselves like shit for the next whatever. You know what I mean? So I think there's a lot, like we talked about before, like the mental part of it and the people who have the quote unquote most willpower are people who don't put themselves in situations to make those decisions. Interesting. So there's, you, you find that there's more willpower in not putting yourself in the situation compared to putting yourself in the situation and being able to say no. Well, I think that, that the willpower idea, like when people talk about folks who have more willpower, it's not actually that they have more willpower. They just put themselves in better situations. Interesting. Okay. I could see that. Yeah. So like, instead of like, like if I have potato chips in front of me, like I'm going to eat them all. I don't, it doesn't matter. Like I can eat a couple, but you know, like that old lady, you can't just have one Yeah, type of thing. But if I don't buy them in my house, I don't eat them. Mm -hmm. So you create these opportunities for you to be successful. Yeah. And that's not a willpower thing. That's just like, I don't have them. So I can't eat them. Yeah. And I think if it, that's when people who, you know, when people are like, oh, you have good willpower, you don't eat that stuff. It's like, no, I don't have good willpower. I just don't put myself in positions or situations where mm -hmm. those things might tempt me to do them. You know, and I think that's, you know, like we, you're the average of the five people you want to do whatever. Like if you're not into doing drugs and we're all like, we hang out every day and we smoke weed every day, you're eventually going to smoke weed with us. Yeah. But if you don't hang out with all the people who smoke weed, you're never going to smoke weed. Yeah. You know what I mean? The same thing goes with sweets and candy. If you're with people every day who give you a, like, here's, here's a Snickers. Mm -hmm. Tomorrow is another Snickers. Mm -hmm. Here's another Snickers. Eventually you're going to be like, all right, just give me the damn Snickers. Mm -hmm. So I think if you can get yourself in a position where your environment helps you and, and grow, helps you grow and removes those things from you, then I think you're in a better position than if you are in a situation where you're getting bombarded with that stuff nonstop. That's why social media, like if we bring it all the way back around and if your social media, the, the good thing about Instagram and things like that is you can curate your own experience. Yeah. Like your newsfeed is whoever you follow. Yeah. Right. So if you have like really bad body image issues and you follow a bunch of really fit people, get rid of those people. Yes. Unfollow them. If you don't see them every day, you're not going to be like, yo, I, I want to look like that or I want to do that. Like you can have those, you have those opportunities in certain situations to not create those stresses, those negative mindset ideas. If you are reflective enough to be like, yo, you know, instead of getting off social media entirely, you can just unfollow the things that create that stress for you, you know, so, and not be in that situation. So then what would you, how would you help somebody get out of an environment like that, but in real life? Cause they're going to have to come back to life where all that stuff exists. Not yeah. necessarily. Well that let's say, let's say you are in the gym, right? You're new to the gym. You start to get the gains, right? And you start to, to be on the right track and you're making progress and you're feeling great about yourself. But then you go to a family function, right? And somebody says, Hey, I don't like the way you look. 
and that somebody is very important to you and their mm. blood relation to you, right? Does then, how does that person then have the willpower or um, be able to navigate that stress if there's more than one person who's downplaying all the hard work that they put into themselves? Well, I think it's important to surround yourself with people. So th- now this depends on, okay, if it's a, is it my significant other or is it just like a random? No, no, this is like your family. It's not your significant other. Your yeah, significant but you don't live with your family necessarily. No, no, but that absolutely. But if you were to create that, uh, not create, but also going to family functions, yeah, would you, you just not go to family functions or would you not do anything with your family well, if you that person was going to be there? Well, I mean, at the same time, at the same time, like you have to be yeah, there's always going to be haters, yeah, yeah. right? Always. There's always gonna be people who downplay what you're doing and, and think of you in a negative light or whatever you want to say, but there's always gonna be people like, so if you do go to a family function, like when I go to family functions and I don't want to talk to a certain person, I, I position myself or I put myself in a situation where I don't have to talk to them. Yeah. You know, or I don't, if they're that's the first time it happens and you're like, yo, you know, uncle Johnny, it was like real negative towards me last time. I'm going to try to, avoid him this time. And like, and if he comes to the table, I'm going to get up and go to a different table. If he's say, you know, like, so you can, you can navigate situations a little bit better without having to not participate in those entirely. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and I think it, it becomes even more difficult if it's your, somebody you live with, like your significant other. Yeah. And I think that's where most people struggle the, a lot is because their significant other isn't in the same belief or mindset as they are. They want to be healthier but my significant other is ordering pizza every night. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and I think that's a more difficult situation. I couldn't be with someone like that. Personally. Right. But if you're already married, yeah, I would say, but if you're stuck, so let's say, so let's like say 10 years ago, you married somebody and now you seven years later, like you had a kid, blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah. You're like, yo, I need to get, I need to get healthy and in a situation where I feel better but your significant other is not on board with that. I think that's when people run into the biggest issues because that significant other is like the biggest saboteur mm-hmm. yeah. of their lifestyle because they will they're And then it becomes like, do you want to get a divorce? Like that's like a, you know, it starts to go into these really big issues. Are you going to get a divorce over that? But like your significant other is like, yo, why are you going to the gym every day? Yeah. Like, I don't know why you gain a muscle. You don't look good. Like, why are we eating this, this grilled chicken again? Like, why can't we and like they, and then they'll, then they'll go. And then I, we've had people who've had some, they've ended up broken up. Um, but people who will be like, Oh, I come home trying to cook dinner. He already ordered a pizza and it's sitting on the table. So it's like convenient. So I eat the pizza, but then I feel like garbage. And then they do that. Like, Oh, he brought home a cake tonight. Oh, he brought home. And it's like, you feel bad because they, they thought they were doing something nice for you. Like, oh, I got you some pizza tonight. Or I could put like, you know, that's not part of my diet, blah, 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 blah. And then it turns into like a fight. And then it's like your relationship ends up turning, you know, it ends up getting like a really bad. And I think those are the harder situations than like going to a family engagement where it just maybe like a one-off situation. Yeah. And I think if you had a circle of friends, like that would be when you got like, man, eh, I got to find some new friends. Your support system. Right. So and I think that's when a gym like ours can be helpful because there are a lot of people here who have like a similar positive outlook on things versus maybe some people you might have at home that don't quite understand why or what you're doing. But that's, that's the hardest part. And I think we're at a, we're at an hour 15 right now. So we got to get going, but it's a long one. I knew it was going to be a little longer, but we're going to cut it off now, <laughs> but that's an interesting topic. And I do want to dive, 
dive into it a little bit more because there are some yeah. ways. And I talk to kids about this because if you talk to high school athletes, I'm like, yo, what do you eat for dinner? Blah, blah, blah. And you like, oh, I eat and I do whatever my parents do. If my parents make me mac and cheese and hot dogs every day, that's all, that's all I can eat. Well, I don't go grocery shopping. I don't do anything like that. So it's like, how can you get, or how can you somehow convince other people that are have to be in your life or that already are in your life? Like, how do you convince them to get on board in some way with you? And I think that's a topic that we can kind of dive in a little bit more. Cause I think it'll be very helpful mm-hmm. for folks who are, because we do, I'm, I can guarantee a lot of the people who are in the gym right now are, are dealing with something similar yeah. who they want to be healthy, but there's so many things that are, there's so many obstacles in their way that are making it very difficult to make the progress and see the results that they want because of maybe a significant other, maybe something else happening. Oh, I got to, people use this as an excuse too. Like, Oh, I have to cook this for my kids. Right. My kids won't eat like I eat. Mm-hmm. Why not? We put broccoli and green beans on the plate and chicken and all that kind of stuff on their plate every day. If they're hungry enough, they're going to eat whatever you put in front of them. You know, you can't just give in to be like, Oh, you're going to have mac and cheese every day. You know, because then they build that habit and routine. Then when they're 16, they don't know how to eat real food. And I heard, and I'm going to leave it with this. There's a, there was a quote that I was listening to a different podcast and they talked about how they were talking about high school athlete development. And they were talking about three big things affect your, your level of success. And it was genetics, geography, and opportunity. And they talked about to maximize your genetics, you need to eat well and train, right? So if you don't eat, like you can see kids at a young age who, who eat like, he, he said SpaghettiOs versus steak. Like you can see the difference in those people. They look healthier. They look thicker, you know, versus the people who don't eat good food. And you can't maximize your genetics if you don't eat good food. Right? And I think food and, and all that stuff kind of plays a huge role. And then your geography, who you're around, right? We talked about that, the five people. And then opportunities, like what, what do you put in front of you? Like what opportunities you give yourself or present yourself with? And then we'll dive into this a little bit more on a future podcast. Any closing words, Tori? Peace. Peace. Sam, anything? <laughs> See you next time. <laughs> Nick? Blackout or back out? Blackout. Full circle. Full circle. Until next time, uh, we'll keep bringing you some info to help you find your mind. Have a great day. <laughs>